On the podcast today, we are going to speak about wandering as a spiritual practice. And wandering is actually a central theme in Taoism, Buddhism, and also the yogic traditions, and also Jainism. The hermit tradition. The hermit traditions, yes. And so, particularly in Taoism, we find wandering littered through the Tao Te Ching and the the Zhuangzi, uh, this sense of aimlessness. But there's... There's a difference to some of the philosophy here with what we're talking about because in Taoism, this wandering as a spiritual practice is what we would refer to as cloud wandering, mm. which is different to free and easy wandering, which is Xiao Yao Yu. Xiao Yao Yu is actually kind of a state of consciousness uh, that happens after spiritual liberation, which is the same in, in Japanese as Unsui. Mm. Unsui means to drift like a cloud and flow like water. So they, they can both, you know, seemingly refer to wandering but they're more of a state of consciousness after mm. after liberation where what we're talking particularly about today is cloud wandering mm. so the actual practice of wandering as a, as a spiritual practice is not only a mental wandering no. but also physical physical wandering, wandering. Yes, yes, yes yes that's also what we're talking about yeah here. mainly physical wandering yes. is, is what cloud wandering is is referring mm. to uh, and we find this in the yogic traditions as well as i said and there's, we find this in the, the Shramana traditions of Jainism and Buddhism. Mm. So you'll often hear the story of the Buddha, for example, the historical Buddha, Gautama the Buddha. He would just walk in straight lines and just would wander without a care in the world about, you know, some of the Shramanas would go, they would know there's a city there. So they know if they walk on this road, they can get some food in the next town. Mm. But the Buddha, you know, he was pretty ardent in his spiritual practice. So he would just walk in straight lines you know mm. over mountains and through jungles and yeah, yeah, yeah. and whatever came to him came to him so and that's part of the shramana tradition so and this cloud wandering practice is something that you and i it's very close to you and i because we out most of our life together we have been kind of cloud wandering wandering around, wandering around yeah, yeah. <laughs> gallivanting around yeah. particularly in asia and only in the last couple of years due to the situation have we been sort of stuck in, in yes. one place yes. for longer than probably we would like yeah i mean it's been longest ever since i basically left home i think this yeah. time period yeah. it's been yes i think so is so a wandering around uh, physically as well as mentally obviously that is knowingly unknowingly i think it's a kind of um spiritual initiation somewhat like mm-hmm. a first initiation that you go through the process of um, this um, path of uh, your um, spiritual practice yeah. and again that happens knowingly unknowingly so you may not uh, recognize yourself are oh, that um, wandering around and uh, i have all these thoughts and this is something new and um yeah you might not recognize what's happening to you but that's most likely the wandering in a a spiritual uh, sense is probably what's happening to you Mm -hmm. i think well it's important to get outside of your comfort zone right Mm -hmm. like this is why the practice is there like if we look at the yogic tradition the yogis will say if you stay in a place longer than three days like they say 24 hours but they, they say you can stretch it out to three days you start to pick up the the vasanas so the latent habits and tendencies of that environment 
this is why you often hear this term you are the environment and there's a lot of truth to that because especially energetically you pick up the kind of the energy of that place and in some sense you start to think in accord with that place as well and so obviously within the yogic tradition they don't want to pick up any sort of unnecessary vasanas that is going to affect their karma so they never stay in a place for for that long and even in nature they don't stay in place for that long we could say you know in arguing with what we're talking about is that in nature it's okay to stay somewhere for long periods of time because you know you don't have anything around you but the birds and the beasts and the trees and and everything like that so but it's when you're in close to human society is where you start to pick up these vasanas and you can be influenced by the culture of that place and it's not really in some sense who well it isn't who you truly are but it's what becomes of your identity so the whole point of cloud wandering or wandering the earth is to uh, dismantle the identity yeah. that's the point of the practice I think once you're in a one environment for a long enough time, you pick up these habits unconsciously, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what's happening is that I think you somewhat, when you go from place to place to settle for a little while, but if you stay a bit longer than how you expected, then you start to kind of accumulating these uh, habits, the vasanas basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, these vasanas start changing somewhat your intuitive sense as well, I think, because our intuitive sense takes up most of our decision-making process in our lives mm. because we are your feelings and emotions and your mood and these things affect tremendously to make some sort of decision, much more so rational mind. Yep. And the, what this environment does to you is that like you mentioned about energy, the energy of the place and the energy of the people mm. who have been that environment for much longer than you have been carries certain type of energy and give it to you. That's uh, that's infectious. Mm. It's uh, then you get that energy unconsciously. And you start changing your intuitive perspective on things. That gets you. Uh, some bad habits, some negative habits, right? So, Mm. um, yeah, again, you mentioned identity. You start identifying with certain things. You start to have this idea. You accumulate information from the environment unconsciously Mm. and you completely download that program within your subconscious mind. You start identifying, you start defending that information as if that is you, right? That's when all the problem begins. Mm -hmm. Well, that, as you said, with that intuitive layer, that's like the samskaric layer, right? Like the mental impression, subliminal uh, imprints, is that, that, because that's your, that's your, in some sense, nature, but can be changed according to, you know, your life process and life and sort of the experiences that you have in life and so that is your identity primarily right yes. you, so your intuitive sense your hot cognition is is sort of primarily running the show right our cold cognition is running a small bandwidth of our life decision making they're basically our cognitive control centers where the hot cognition is basically running the show yes and so a lot of our decisions are influenced by the hot cognition 
which is the intuitive uh, part of our cognition. And so when we're in an environment, we're, we're always we're accumulating these samskaras, mm-hmm. right, into the hot cognition. And then, mm-hmm. then we start to act as if, act as the environment. Yes. You know, so I'm Australian, I'm like this, uh, I'm Christian and so forth and so yeah. on. Whereas you, you haven't had any sort of distance from that culture to see if, are you really like that? Yes. Why do we change when we when we're not in our familiar surroundings? Yes. We do slowly change, right? Yes. And we get, in some sense, subtly influenced by other cultures as well. And in some sense, if you go to particularly if you go to cultures where no one speaks your language, you might not even be influenced by that culture mm. at all. Mm. So then you'll start to empty out all of these samskaras and vasanas yes. that you've been carrying, right, mm. for a long period of time, mm. and so. A lot of our identity is developed from where we are. Mm. So the places that we were born, that we live, as you said, it becomes your intuitive center. And, uh, you know, on the spiritual path, especially when people start to travel, they start to wander, and then they go back to their familiar environment. There's usually a friction with the people that you knew in that familiar environment before you left, and then you've come back to see them, but you've completely changed. And what's happened is you've had all of these different life experiences. Yes. That has kind of changed and, and in some sense emptied out a lot of the old intuitive senses about yourself from the previous uh, environment. And so that's when they, when they see you, like your family or your friends, and they can't really quite make you out. <laughs> they think, what's something wrong with her? Like she drank the wrong water or something, <laughs> you know? But that's, that's part of the process, right? And that's why I always tell people, like, don't be so perturbed about your family or your friends being at odds with who you are, especially if you've gone away and you've come back to that familiar environment. Um, don't be so worried about that because that's just a natural thing. Mm. Because the reason is because they stayed in that environment, right? And because you were in that environment too, you were part of sort of their environment. So they had a version of you that they, that, that they understood. Mm. Then you went away, say, for a couple of years and you were living in Bodhgaya in India. And you came back, shanti, shanti, shanti. Completely different place, yes. Mm. They can't make you out. Because mm. the, the old version that they had of you is gone. Yeah, those people who stayed in one environment for a very long time, sometimes lifetime, right? Yeah. That, that might be most people. But those people um, tend to assume a person next to you think exactly the same as you do, mm. right? That's that's the sign that the, that person probably been in one environment for too long mm-hmm. but i mean that is a, a positive result of um getting influenced by uh, different environments when you actually left your familiar environment and go somewhere else yeah. which is actually beneficial to you with the beneficial culture mm. and beneficial um spiritual growth to you in to immerse in that kind of um environment again that's what we are talking about here the roaming that wandering Mm. around the around the world basically again uh like for our experience we've been to so many different countries and mainly in primarily in asia Mm. which uh, the place where we got a lot of a uh, good influence on us, right? Like most places, very strong Buddhist traditions, or or like for s- somewhere like India has very strong Hindu Vedic 
um, influence yeah. on us. And that gave us very good mm, effect on yeah. our intuitive center and also emotional center in many in many different ways. Yes. Right? Mm. So that is a result of having a good environment, right environment around you for mm. whatever you are seeking or whatever reason that you chose to be there, right? Yeah. Again, in a sense that uh, to be in nature, completely isolate uh, from outside world and to be in nature, the, f the reason why we feel good is because we feel like we are growing just like nature. Mm. I mean, we are that, yeah. but we have forgotten for a very long time because we live such sophisticated and complex world right now. But in nature, you feel like you become one with the trees and plants so that you grow with them, grow just like them, mm. right? That you follow the clock of nature, sunrise and sunset, all these kind of things that you, your body clock get used to what it, how it's supposed to be. Mm. Mm. And that, that's the right environment, the good, the nutritious environment for all of us. Mm. And to be somewhere like... Um, Southeast Asian countries or India, Nepal, Sri Lanka, those uh, countries which still preserve a very strong their traditional culture is much more communal. People are, uh, their intuitive center and their innocence is still very much alive yeah. and they have such deep respect for other people. Whether they're educated or not, that's not a... It doesn't no, matter. That's not an issue. Matter, yeah. right? They're human beings. Exactly. They know how other human beings feel, mm. right? No matter where they're from, they treat with such respect, yeah. especially if they meet some other foreigner who uh, happen to be interested in their, their Indian traditional knowledge. They often pay even more respect, right? Mm. So to be in that kind of environment can give you kind of a new life force, really. Mm -hmm. that you have a completely different perspective on your life and also life that you lived as well. Yeah. In those countries, people aren't aggressive mm. in general. Like in, in the Western developed nations in general, there's an aggressiveness from people being know-it-alls, people who have lost their innocence and who have identified with their identity, right? So those countries still preserve the traditions where they know the identity itself is a fabrication, it's an illusion. It's not that you won't be an identity, but it's, there's not a, like a clinging or an attachment to the identity. And so... Part of the wandering practice, you know, particularly for like from our perspective, is that most of our spiritual development was from traveling. Like I know that people could argue, yeah, but you've stayed in monasteries and ashrams and studied a lot, and and look, that's all great too. I'm not I'm not saying one's better than the other, but a lot of our spiritual development came through wandering and, and from visiting these great places, as you said, having a positive influence, accumulating positive vasanas from shanti uh, communities yes and one of the things is that you know maybe controversial to say for some people is that if you stay in one location say your whole life you don't actually there's something that you miss because you don't sort of step outside of your comfort zone because you've sort of resonated with this psychological comfort which you know is kind of analogous to you know a caterpillar not turning into the yeah, to butterfly, butterfly. 
you know so but when you when you push yourself outside of your comfort zone you then you start to actually notice psychological and spiritual growth and a lot of people who stay in one location forever don't ever experience that and you know what those people are exactly like because you know the environment and so you know that they're not going to be at the level of where you have been if you've traveled to say 150 countries and spent let's say three or four years away from your your familiar uh your birth country for example yes and so they're not going to be at that level and that's why this practice was designed because Mm -hmm. even back in the day the yogis and the Taoist hermits and the early buddhists and jains they understood that the people who were always staying in their familiar location kind of weren't developing at the speed of people who are actually moving around and absorbing other cultures and so forth and so on. And so we know this historically when we look at the countries who, their cultures intermingled. So if we look at the history of the Silk Road, right? Yes. A lot of people say, why did place, why do places like China and India um, and Greece and you know Northern Africa, Africa and everywhere develop a lot quicker than other parts of the world? It's because of this, exchange of culture and sharing of ideas which actually develops and advances not just the individual spiritual growth but like the collective spiritual growth and so but if we take it back down to the microcosm of an individual that's just that's what we're on our own silk road when you leave your familiar environment you know and so you have the positive influence from other cultures And you may get negatively influenced by other cultures, but you're constantly learning in in the process. Mm. It's not a a state of stagnation. Mm. See, when you're in your own familiar environment, it's kind of a state of stagnation because you never sort of experience anything different. Mm. And some people, that that is for some people, right? Like I I had a friend the other day and she said she she never wants to even leave Queensland. And it's you know it's yeah, kind it's of hard for me to believe. Like, don't want to even leave the state. Yeah, you're in. yeah, doesn't feel a need to, mm. and so, and that's for her. You know, it's not for for me. But you know, first chance I got to leave Queensland when I was a kid, I was out the door. So <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's horses for courses in that regard. But if you're talking about sort of your own spiritual development, psychological as well, then wandering like a cloud. And being like a shramana or, or a yogi is is very beneficial to the spiritual practice. Yes, I mean, again, there are so many people in the world right now, isn't it? Like, so everyone's different. But I'm not so sure. As long as you were born as a human form, people are different. But mm. in human evolution, mm. since the dawn of our ancestor to get to 21st century of today without roaming or wandering like we would be nowhere that's the thing (laughs) like let's say uh, most recent human evolutionary history is a 300,000 to 500,000 years ago right Mm -hmm. Um, roaming and wandering wasn't even an option for our ancestor because um, they had to keep traveling to find the food and shelters and yep. find the right uh, climate, right? Yep. But that's how we developed our brain 
and that's the process of our history. Like yeah. that's how we got to invent uh, little tools, right? Cultural evolution. That's exactly right. That's yeah. how uh, we got to this stage of the human history right now. Yeah. So that roaming and wandering is essential, if not the most important part of our um, evolution. Evolution. You know? If uh, that affected us in biological evolution as well as cultural evolution, then just think about it, like you mentioned about microcosmic level, what that does to an individual, for example. For an individual to go through this uh, roaming, wandering um, process of uh, own growth, personal growth, that is a small uh, scale of evolution as well. And you are writing your own little history, personal history as well. So to get to, to make that advanced and get more growth, wandering and roaming is a so important part yep. of our life. Exactly. So I do get it, not, probably not for everybody, but maybe it is for everybody mm. because mm. we are all... Um, same species yeah. we all operate the same we feel the same suffering pain happy and joy mm. we all feel these things so i don't know if there would be any exception no you're exactly right love because if you think about it we've probably all been the person who was stuck in our environment and thought why why leave right why leave but then once you do leave you become addicted to mm. more travel and yes and experiencing more it is for everyone the difference is the motivation for people to move and get out of their mm. familiar environments, their comfort zone is 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 a lot different, right? Uh, it's kind of interesting because if you look at America, for example, a lot of people, in some sense, don't really leave America. I mean, we see a lot of Americans traveling, but in, in, in typically Americans like to stay in America. And I've heard a lot of when we've been there, we've heard a lot of Americans say, "Why would we ever travel? Like, this is the best country," and so forth and so on. You know, so uh, and ironically, uh, Americans are very identity based, yeah, because they never leave. Sometimes not even their state. And I know that that that's common around the world as well. But it's 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 very common within the states where their culture is so focused on identity. Everything is about identity in America, and that's why it can be exhausting for people outside of America to to listen to the dialogue and and so forth and so on, and so. Uh, Americans, in some senses, particularly now, they suffer from this, this, you know, this collective consciousness that's happening at the moment. Mm. Uh, but it's interesting that because we are friends with a lot of Americans and we see a lot of Americans in India and, and Thailand in, in general, and a lot of them, we see the effects of wandering mm. because they lose their beliefs, mm. their American beliefs, they lose their political beliefs. And everyday life is just more important for them. Their immediate reality, seeing the joy of the street dogs in Thailand or, you know, going to Raman Ashram and these things are way more important to them because it's, it's in their face. And so that's like my, my point is that it can affect anybody, this wandering. And so, you know, usually when you're in an area you start to because you think like that place you have the beliefs of that place you have the political views of that place and they're all not your own mm. you borrowed them from the external environment 
they're not yours on your own. You borrowed them. And so all of the Americans we know overseas, they've kind of shunned all of, all of those beliefs because they're free of them, mm. you know. Yeah. Particularly during the pandemic, we, we know some Americans in Thailand and that who, who ha- have not, had not even been paying attention to what was happening in the States. And, and why, should, why should you, right? I never paid attention to anything in Australia when I was living overseas. And I still don't pay attention here. But <laughs> but it's like you don't have an obligation to pay attention to what's... Again, that's another sense of identity. You yes. should know what's happening in your home country, in air quotes. You should care. You should care. When your inalienable right as a human being is to wander free and not to be annexed and boxed in by the illusion of, of a nation. I think when you're in a one environment for a long period of time... It gives you a sense of like um, I don't know ownership and responsibility. Again, that is the identity that leads to that uh, strong identity that becomes the foundation of the identity. So you never get a chance to be um, an observer to your own life. Right? You're always a doer. Mm-hmm. Right? You are the one that actually leading the action. Right, yep. you are the one that making the decision and leading the action, and yet materialize something in your life, right? But what happens when you start wonder is for the first time in your life you become a witness. Mm. I think because let's say um, going to somewhere like India, a completely different environment from everywhere else in the world, right? You become a literally becoming a become a witness seeing the panoramic view of the 3d because you're right in it <laughs> you see the view of the world that you're in in that moment that reality is just completely different from what you're used to mm-hmm. right so you get to you start paying attention to things you become a witness of your life in mm-hmm. in that reality from being in that almost like a th- in a third party you're becoming a Yes, you're just looking over what's happening around you. That gives you already different perspective in your life. You're not an owner of your the way you think you are. We're not actually essentially, but you're not an own owner of your life anymore. You're not a make decision maker anymore. Why? Because you are in a completely different environment. You gotta learn everything from the beginning again, yeah. right? Because different society, uh, things function different way, right? So you need to learn to navigate through from becoming a good witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't become a good witness, what happens? We see a lot in those countries. They trying to change things in their way. <laughs> That's right. That's right. In place like India or Nepal, Thailand, exactly. right? Exactly. But they have their own way to do things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes maybe you need to, you know, you respect to... a little bit their way, yep. or just to take a little step back mm-hmm. and become a witness to see how they do things. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something that you can learn from, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not as um, uh, productive mm-hmm. or uh, efficient. Mm. is uh, how you would usually do but just to become a, a pure witness to the situation will give you tremendous wisdom or some different technique or i yeah. don't know 
so like kind of you allow you allow yourself to become a pure witness and making a little gap between your you as an, a doer to mm. the life to outside um, reality that allows you to have a different perspective about everything including yourself and you have a gap between you and your old beliefs wow you don't just you're not just witnessing the environment you're witnessing how you are reacting to the new environment with your old beliefs exactly and so what happens is you you realize that your old beliefs don't work in this new environment so you're witnessing kind of this conflict right uh, and we've experienced this a few times. Mm. There was one time when we moved from Chiang Mai to Tiruvannamalai, and we were cozy in Chiang Mai for a long time. We hadn't been back to Tiruvannamalai for a long time, and we were going there for sadhana and just shanti for four months, right? And when we first got there, there was a bit of a conflict because we had become accustomed to a certain way, and we sort of were fighting that. We went to Pondicherry, and then we realized, ah, Let's go back to Tiru. Like we're, we're just we're playing around, right? So, and it's interesting what you said, where people go and they go to these new environments, and because people have a different way of doing things, they try to change other people because they think that their version of reality, according to their cultural beliefs and according to their identity, is the way it is, yes. and it's not. And this is where Christians get confused, right? Because as you mentioned, with Nepal, India, Thailand specifically, those three countries are a prime target for Christians. And we see a lot of missionaries there who go there and they try to undermine the Hindus and the Buddhists and, and make fun of them and this and that, you know, which is very violent and, and disgusting, actually. But they have a version of reality that they actually think is the version for all people. Yeah. It's not. It's not the version for all people. And... It's hard to get people out of that way of thinking. I get people on the channel a lot, right? They will ask me about Eastern spirituality, and, they'll, and they say they're interested, but then they will say something, yeah, but in the Bible it says this, and Jesus said this. It's like, but you're still taking that as the authority. Mm. You're still, that's, that has no sway on the Hindus. And so if you are saying that's the authority, you're saying the entire nation of India are sinners. Because they have a different cultural framework, a different spiritual makeup. And your silly doctrine that says all non-believers go to hell, you know, it, it's ridiculous, right? So it's, it's a, and so people can't get out of that. And I get it on the channel, as you know, all the time. People say, yeah, but I, I really like uh, Vedanta, for example. But Jesus said this and this and that. And it's like, but you're still taking it as the authority. You need to move it off the pedestal because it's not on the pedestal. It's a cultural uh, trait. It's a cultural religion that became uh, uh, that was part of European culture. But that doesn't have European culture is not better than Indian culture or Chinese culture or South American culture or African culture. Why are you assuming that this cultural evolution through Europe is the be all and end all, like the, the final line on things? Like we analyze. Hinduism, Taoism, Buddhism, Jainism, Sikhism through the lens of Christianity because that's the authority. It's not the authority. It's part of a cultural evolution of one part of the world, yeah. not the whole world. And then, But then Christians will say, yeah, but Jesus is the son of God and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but other places have 
stories as well, different mythologies, that they can too say that to fire back at you. And this is where religious fundamentalism comes from. See, it comes from that solidified identity. This is where extremism comes from, where radicals are born. And so you should always go to somewhere with a blank canvas. Yes. And observe, even if you are Christian, say if you go to India, observe your Christian mentality mm. interacting with the way Hindus do things. Because it's not going to work for you. Yeah. So what you've got to learn to do is be flexible. Mm. You've got to learn to drift like a cloud and flow like water, like Unsway. So this is very important in the spiritual practice. This is much more important than a silly doctrine. It is. It's much more important than a religion or a silly doctrine. It's, 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 this, it's about the spiritual ev- liberation of yourself from your identity. 100%. Yeah. Since the dawn of um, Christianity... Again, the, the, the principle behind the Christianity came from before that, from Greece. But yeah, since the dawn of um, Christianity, this uh, process of uh, monopolizing culture around the world has been slowly happening, mm. right? Yeah. That we don't, people wouldn't accept the Christianity as a culture. But if it dictates way you way of thinking and way of perceiving the world, a way you make up your own opinion, then it is somewhat a culture yeah. to the world, mm. and that in everywhere, like uh, even little habits of thinking or habits of doing things, could come from that very influence of Christian way of thinking, yeah. and that basically monopolize the world unfortunately and that is why what's happening even within india unfortunately you know i mean a small port between small portion of people is that they try to disprove uh, hindu culture Mm -hmm. which is i find it quite ridiculous Yeah. yeah so unfortunately that's what's happening but again like um, as to spiritual wandering and roaming, once, as you mentioned earlier, like when you get dropped into completely different, there is a bit of a friction, right? But once we learn to navigate through, when we give ourselves a little bit of gap between us as a person who have these um, habits and conditions from other world. To this new reality, then you give the gap between that person to this world, then you get to see the world a little bit more transparent. And that gap transfer into your own inner self as well. So that outer world experience, whatever you're going through, reflects on your inner world process as well. Well, uh, That is why this um, wandering element is very important mm. if you don't wonder you never get to learn about yourself right you're stagnant and basically rotting in yeah. a one place yeah. and that's what's actually happening within yourself as well yeah. but if you were to go out to the world or go out to the wilderness explore different culture meeting completely different people or uh, you get to learn the way they think the way they see the world then 
that's also what's happening inside of you as well. Yeah. Things become a bit new. Things become more fresh. Mm. And you get to realize how much more you didn't know. Yeah. So what people get addicted to is psychological comfort. Mm. So they stay in their familiar surroundings. They stay within their familiar culture because it makes them feel safe. The illusion of safety, right? Uh, without ever peeking out over the, the fence to see, well, I wonder what's over there. They don't have any of that sort of curiosity because of the psychological comfort. They're addicted to psychological comfort. Yeah. And so the spiritual traditions, they understand that and they're, they're trying to, uh, in some sense, like, you know, give you some motivation to get out and, and experience the world, get out of your comfort zone, get out of the psychological comfort that you're addicted to and get into a world of uncertainty. Because it's in uncertainty that we, we, we grow. Remember Alan Watts' book, The Wisdom of Un, uh, Insecurity? Insecurity. You know, so, which is a lot about uncertainty and getting out there. And, but we've bought into this illusion that uh, freedom is, is within security. Mm. So it's within psychological comfort. And it's not really. Freedom is, you know, it's, it's about getting out of your comfort zone and and moving around and growing spiritually, as, as, you, as you mentioned. And this is why, like, if you're with a master, they will, you know, sometimes guide you on a, on a path like this. Like, yes. if, like if we look at northern India, for example, if we go into uh, Uttarakhand and places like that, like around Rishikesh, you will see vision quests mm -hmm. and that, that with a proper yogi that you can go on. And, and we've seen some people coming back from maybe a four or five month vision quest and, it might be a European guy and he's got like bean, beard and he's, bean. he's a string bean, you know, like <laughs> he's, there's no meat left on him. <laughs> and so you, you, the traditions, are, these traditions are still being kept alive. We have a, an older gentleman friend in, in Tiruvannamala who would share stories with us about his old master and said that they would, he would get on, like his master was very unpredictable. And so they'd be having a satsang one day and then they'd go for a walk and then the master would just jump on like a, a carriage of a train going somewhere. And so they have to get on with him. And because... Yeah, completely off the cuff. Off the cuff. Like yeah. he, he would always say his master passed away because and, and, our friend is a bit older. And so, but he said that when he was living that, yeah, off the cuff, like life was just completely unpredictable all the time. Like, if he's if there's an empty carriage or a train he jumps on doesn't ask where the train's going, going yeah. just he's just going to go and when he feels like to jump off he, he'll jump off and <laughs> and then we're just and so he said that there were it was actually the greatest time of his life mm -hmm. he said there was a real joyousness and like not having certainty mm -hmm. not having that security of like i know what's coming next there was a real freedom and not knowing what's coming next and you're just being led by the guru yes and who knows what the guru is unpredictable. Mm. You know, you one minute having satsang, next minute you're on a boat going over to Sri Lanka, and you're just like, "What the hell's going on here?" Wherever you got to, let that be your destination. Exactly, mm. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And 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 the point of that is, you know, as we said, like because the more you wander, the the more formless you become. The more the layers get peeled away, and this is what the master is doing. This is what our, was happening to with our friend the master had lived their life like that and even they were still in the process of cloud wandering they're still roaming uh, maybe not all the time but yeah. like let's say 80 20 right mm -hmm. and so 
the the more you wander, the more the layers peel away, mm. and that that's the point. It's and then you don't have a form or an energetic quality to your 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 being because mm. your identity is kind of a bit lucid, and I can kind of see through it. I I know, for example, I look at you and you know, think you're Korean and and so forth and so on, but I can't quite make you out because I don't I can't I don't have a like a, a, a form or a you don't have a belief structure this is what happens when you wander right like you because those layers peel away i can't yes. i can't quite make it out yes what's going on here yes. i mean um as i was preparing for this um topic what really came to me strongly was that like stronger your identity is less you less aware you are so on the other hand, as you mentioned, if you're lucid and your identity is not completely formless, it's not there, you don't have such socialized conditioned identity, then you become more free, mm. you become more aware. That's what's really happening, right? Yeah. And again, when it comes to the freedom, when people say, I have a freedom to do this and freedom to um, choose to, you know, eat something or do whatever. That's just apparent choice. Mm. That's not really freedom. Mm. That's just the options. But sometimes I think when we have too many options, which we do, right? Mm. Even when you go to online platform, which one are you going to jump on first? Like in a supermarket. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So more options you have actually becomes a burden to you. Mm-hmm. But I don't think many people know it actually. The burden, it, it is a burden to mm-hmm. you. People mm-hmm. are quite unaware of it. Yeah. And let that be your stress actually. And yeah. you get stressed out. Well, too many options is complexity. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And complexity, things become more complicated, right? Yeah. And you then you're lost, yeah. really. And that's actually what's happening to a lot of people, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, so that is a burden. So what what the uh, step that we need to take is, again, you've got to be unpredictable. Yeah. You've got to actually completely get out of that um, yeah comfort zone, mm. that place that you live in externally and also internally more so internally actually you need to get out of that head space Mm. that way of thinking that way of um, framing your mind a little bit you know you gotta jump off that Mm. and then kind of channel to a completely different way just um, yeah be unpredictable and unpredictability give you such big excitements too in life because yeah. you're always in some sort of motion mm. things are different things are always fresh yeah well the freedom that most people talk about is the freedom for their identity to move around and have choice mm. and this and that what you realize with cloud wandering is freedom is well when there's no identity you are freedom itself exactly you know so which is kind of a reflection of actually your wondering too, isn't it? A little bit, and you know, and we live in an age right where people are actually, for whatever reason, well, we know why, uh, against people having freedom these days, <laughs> which is our inalienable right as a human to yeah, yeah. to have freedom. <clears throat> it, 
freedom to move about. This is what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, restrictions. So, We've been having too much yeah, restrictions, too restrictions recently, yeah, yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah, so, and for whatever reason, some people actually want restrictions. But, <laughs> so, the thing is that when you have, when you break out of that uh, idea of your identity's version of freedom, you begin to live freedom or be freedom itself mm-hmm. because you're not then boxed in by your identity you kind of your your mind is free from the environmental and external restrictions that have been imposed upon you from birth and so you begin to be free of that we've got to remember the nature of the mind is empty spontaneous and free and so we should be a reflection of of those three qualities a lot of us aren't, yes. but this is what cloud wandering can do, or you know, wandering like a cloud can do. You begin to be a reflection of being empty, spontaneous, and free. And as you were mentioning with awareness, like awareness is naturally there. We're always pure awareness. It's just the identity that eclipses it. You're always the Atman, the self. You're always the uncarved block or the original yes. face. But it's the identity that eclipses that which then keeps us a prisoner in our mind. Mm. Identity is, is, is a type of prison when you think about it. It is. Because you have these beliefs, right, that are borders in your mind. So when you have other information come into your field of consciousness or other beliefs or other cultural influences and you are, you are unable, to, unable to kind of assimilate them and, and to deal with them, mm. that means you're living inside your own prison. Yes. Where you're you got, limited. You are limited. Mm. You've got to break those walls down. Yes. In the in the Brahmavidya tradition, the science of the absolute, so studying Brahman and Tao, or, or Shunyata in Buddhism, you will not be accepted into a lineage or a Sangha if you still have the walls. You have had to have done some sort of deconstruction of your conditioning for the guru or the master to even allow you into the same room as them. Mm. Because you're not you can't give that sort of knowledge, the Brahma Vidya right. to those sorts of to people who like as Jesus said, right, don't you know, cast your pearls before swine. Yeah. Be- yeah. Before swine. Yeah. And so it's the same with the Brahma Vidya. The science of the absolute is the highest knowledge you can have. Mm. And so if you're gonna give that to a guy down at the bar it's meaningless mm. and might may even dis- disrupt their life yes. and may even disturb them and may cause them to be violent. And so this is why the wandering is important and this is why sometimes uh, pilgrimages and that have to happen for certain people on the spiritual path because they need to shed a few layers to even go to a deeper level of understanding. Mm. You know, So a lot of us are trying to get to a deeper level of understanding spirituality but... We haven't even gone through any sort of processes like this to wander like a cloud or to peel away the layers of our identity. Yes. We want to experience spirituality through our identity by remaining in our familiar environment. And it's like, yeah. you can't do it. Mm. You wouldn't be able to study the Brahma Vidya at any depth. You just wouldn't be able to. Mm. Because you'd be constantly seeing it through the lens that you've been conditioned with. Mm. And this is why peeling that conditioning away is, is very important. That is very important. And again, with the identity, uh, not only identity of certain title, 
but also with your emotions as well, I think, because yeah. uh, the memories that you get to accumulate over time in a one place, internally, mm. you you start to build this emotional reaction to a certain circumstance or situation that you encounter. So you start having this um, emotional reaction and you let that make it part of your identity as well. Mm. I'm this type of person. I'm, I get angry when, I, when this happened. Like this sort of reaction, you know. Like you start to identify yourself with a certain emotional state which is also quite silly in a sense and also it can be very harmful for you in the long term yep. as well so start having that um, detachment is very important and detachment from your own emotion also means detachment from the your environment as well even mm -hmm. from your family and friends as well if you don't feel right with the certain things even from the, your close people you have no obligation to keep make it work no. it's more tiresome and more stressful mm. and it's harmful for you and think uh, and you gotta be a bit aimless too like mm. go, go out for a walk aimlessly have let let wherever you get to be um your destination yeah you just start wonder just gotta start wandering around right yeah yeah, like, yeah. Literally, hit yeah. the road. Yeah, hit the road. Yes, hit the road. <laughs> Might be a bit difficult this right at this minute, but when you can, hit the road. We might we might see you on the road. Yeah, exactly. I mean, simply just don't make plans. Mm. Don't have plans. No. Just go out through your day. How depends on how you feel in that very mm. moment, mm -hmm. and go get out there. Go for a walk aimlessly. See where you end up. And, and watch what's happening inside you. Mm. Right? Like what you said with the, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast before with friends and families and, and whatnot. And I do agree with Prabhupada when he said that it doesn't matter what your friends and family say, the spiritual practice should be number one. Mm. If that's not number one, everything else that you have in your life is doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, nothing really. And it doesn't matters. function properly. Yeah. Because you're not making what is number one, number one. Yes. You're leaving it back at third, fourth, fifth. Yeah. You're neglecting the spiritual path, your development as an individual, but to appease other people, to, 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 to keep that image that people have of you fresh in those. So you're a hostage then. Yes. You're a hostage to your friends and families, projections of you. Never be a hostage of your friends and family's projections. Mm. You must make the spiritual practice your number one. And... Wandering like a cloud, being a shramana is, is, is a way of is a way of doing that. Yes. Is keeping it number one. Exactly. If you have to sacrifice certain things things to get there, let it let it be. Let it be. Mm. Sacrifice is part of the spiritual process. Yeah. All right guys, we hope you enjoyed and we'll see you guys next time.